the volume. The Draymond Green Show is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get payouts in as fast as two hours. There's so many bet types. My favorite same-game parlay bets. There's live betting, player props, futures. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. To get started now, sign up. Please use the promo code Colin. C-O-L-I-N. FanDuel Sportsbook makes it easy. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Man, I'm honored to welcome this next guest to the show, uh, a guy who, uh, number one, I've had the chance to, to win a gold medal with, um, but also someone who I've had the opportunity to build a relationship with, to call a, a little brother, to try to share knowledge that I've learned over my 10 years and, and give it back to the younger guys that's taking this league by the storm and taking over the league. And so I'm honored to welcome this next guest, All-Star, another All-Star on the Draymond Green Show, none other than Jason Tatum. JT, what's up, my brother? My dog, appreciate you having me. Absolutely. I appreciate you coming on, man. I've been... You know, we 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 trying to keep this thing going, man. Having all stars on here, like you can't 
you can't show up unless your resume right, man. <laughs> so, you know, I appreciate you coming on, allowing us to keep that streak going. <laughs> no, nah, no problem. No problem. Absolutely. But, um, <clears throat> you know, first off, I want to, uh, obviously, this will be a lot about you, about your career. You know, I want to know, uh, number one is starting off, man, one of the things that I admire most about you and this is even before I really got to know you. It's just how, how you are as a father. And, you know, we all see the pictures of you and Deuce. Um, you know, we see him with you all the time. But as you and I both know, in this life, a lot of, a lot of things can be staged. You know, but mm -hmm. getting the opportunity to know you and seeing how hands-on you are with him um, is, is one of the things that I admire about you. So, first off, I just want to know, like, how is it for you being a father to your son? Man, uh, I mean, as you know, this is by far uh, the best thing in life. Uh, you know, bigger than any accomplishment, any award, any amount of money. Um, that genuine, you know, relationship, especially like, you know, I got a, I got a son. So as he's gotten older and I've, I, as I've gotten older, just our relationship and it's almost like that's my mini me, right? So mm -hmm. like, and I've had the privilege and the honor of like, you know, I had him when I was 19. I, I didn't, I ain't playing it. It was an accident, so be it. But us, you know, him growing up, you know, as a, as a, as a kid and, and me growing in my career and basically, you know, we sharing this journey together. Um, and that was, that was a big thing for me that, you know, first year in the league and, you know, he was born um, December 6, 2017, you know, I wasn't going to sacrifice either. I wasn't going to let one take me from the other. I was going to, you know, in a way, take on both challenges of like, I'm going to be the best father I can be and I'm going to be the best basketball player I can be. And we know we're going to make it both work at the same time. And it's not really like work, you know, it's, it's now it's become second nature. Like, you know, that's just part of my, my routine. That's part of my day. It's just like, you know what I'm saying? Me and Deuce, you know, we rocking out. That's incredible, man. I think I love it, man, because I know for me personally, um, you know, I, I have two daughters as well. And, and you know, that relationship, I look forward to you one day having a daughter because that relationship with them girls <laughs> yeah. is it's a, it's just a little different. Like, obviously, but like you said, with your little man, it's like your mini me, you know, and that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of how I, you know, that's how I am with DJ. It's like, you know, people see him on the sideline at the games, but like he had all the practice. Like this dude feel like he a part of the team. Like right. he be saying stuff to me like, hey, hey, you you went to the gym without me? Like everybody wanted to see me. <laughs> they didn't want to see you. <laughs> right. Like, and, you know, but <clears throat> that's, it's so important to be able to share the journey with them, you know, because the reality is, uh, our kids are growing up totally different than we grew up. You know what I'm saying? Like they're growing up with a silver spoon. You know, they're growing up with access to all of these different things, to a totally different life than we ever grew up with. And, and my, my everyday thing or, or my everyday thought is like, how do I give to my kids and especially my son? How do I give to them what Saginaw gave to me that I know Saginaw isn't giving to them? Mm -hmm. how can I still instill some of that in them? You know, and, and so I think for me, that's the big thing. And that's why I love how hands-on you are with him, how much you have him around, 
because man, that's like you can't you can't pay for that experience. And so it's such a beautiful thing, man. For sure. And now you that's the million dollar question. Like you said, we work so hard to give our kids, you know, a life a better life than than we had growing up. And like that's what you're supposed to do as a parent. But you you spot on, like, you know, especially like raising young men, you know, how do I instill that that toughness or that work ethic that, you know, just living in St. Louis every day that, you know, was just a part of my everyday life. Whereas, you know, Deuce, he come to NBA games, he's sitting courtside, he in the locker room, he on private jets. We go on the islands like all he knows is paradise and and, and and new sneakers and all that. So it is like a, a, especially as you get older, it's something that I definitely got to work on of like that that balance of right of like mm-hmm. You know, enjoying this life, but understanding that, like, you know, you gotta at some point you gotta work for a, a life of, of your own. But no, that's definitely the, the million dollar question. I think you know, you know, one of the interesting things that I did when when you when you think about um, really setting your kids up for the future, which I think is an, is a very important thing, and you start talking about a will and a trust. Like for me, my girls get money at eighteen. My son don't get money until 21 <laughs> because the reality is it's like for my girls, I don't want them to ever feel like or a guy to ever feel like he can control them because of something that he have or for them to feel like, man, I need to turn to this guy to rely on him. But for my son at 18, no, bro, like you, what you doing? Like you going to school, you going mm-hmm. to work? Like, what's up? What you doing? Like. And the maturity level of guys and girls are a little different as well. Guys mature sure. a little slower. So that's kind of something that I'm, I'm that's something that I am doing with my kids. And I thought I I thought that was the right way to go. At least I think it is. We'll see. I think parenting is all trial and error. It that is all it is, <laughs> trial and error. I tell people all the time, it ain't no perfect way to be a parent. You know what I'm saying? You gotta figure it out as you go. Absolutely, man. But take take me on your journey, man. You you went to Chaminade Prep, um, home of David Lee, home of Brad Bill, and then you come through there uh, at you know a school that's all had already put out two all stars, and you're coming through there. What was it like um, just going to Chaminade? Like I know you could have went to a a, a public school uh, in St. Louis, but you decided to go to Chaminade, which seems to be working for the. For the guys from St. Louis, what what was behind that decision for you? I ain't had no choice. That was my <laughs> mom from the from middle from elementary school. My mom was like, "You going to all boy Catholic school? Like, you don't need no distractions from eight to five every day. Like, it's all about books and basketball." So, yeah, I wanted to go to public school with all you know people in the neighborhood and all my friends from AAU, but. I like, I just knew that wasn't a thing. I knew I was going to one of the, we got like, it's like five private schools in St. Louis that are all boy. We all in the same conference, but uh, it was just perfect timing because, you know, um, Brad's mom was my mom's volleyball coach in high school. And Brad grew up, we grew up in the same neighborhood. He was like four minutes from my crib. So uh, I went to Chaminade in middle school and my, my first year was his last year. So when I was in seventh grade, Brad was in, in 12th grade. So that was really the, you know, the stamp. Just um, I had a perfect role model, a perfect like visualization every day of 
who I wanted, like where I wanted to go, where I wanted to be. And like, he was, he was living proof. Um, you know, so getting to see him every day in the classroom, working out after practice and him dropping me off from school every day and going to the games and, you know, seeing him put on the show, it was like, it was the, it was a perfect scenario for me. Cause this was like, I want to get to where he's getting to. And I get to see, you know, his everyday routine, um, up, up close. So, you know, I'm forever thankful uh, for that, for being in that uh, position. That's incredible. And and as you went through high school, so, well, you go from seventh grade to eighth grade, Brad goes on to Florida, spent one year at Florida, then he goes to the league. Once he left Chaminade, did y'all relationship continue to grow? Or was there like a gap where y'all kind of fell out of contact? Or has that always been a constant of someone that's always been directing you? Oh, no, that's, he like, that's like, Brad is, is the big brother, you know, that I didn't have, right? You know, even when he got to the league, I remember on, it was either my freshman or sophomore year, like one of my spring breaks, Brad was like, he just texted me, and he like, yo, like, ask your mom, can you come up here and just like, come chill with me and come to a couple games? I'm like, all right, man, I'm out. Like, I like I, I went up to D.C., I spent like a, a week with him, him and his brothers. Um, Went to a couple games, but like it, even in the summertime, Brad would come home, and it would be times where he would pull up in front of my crib, nine o'clock in the morning. He called me. I'm asleep. He called me like, "Yo, come on, bro, I'm outside." I'm like, "Damn, all right, let me get in the shower." And I would just like, I would get in the car with him. We go get something to eat. We go work out, and then we go to his crib, play the game, chill, and then we go work out again. And he take me home. Like it's Plenty of time summers where I like would spend the whole day with him and like just we just be out. But it was always just like he always was telling me that, you know, he wanted to do for me what, you know, nobody did for him. And, you know, from that point on, I've always had, you know, none but love and the most respect uh, because, you know, he didn't have he didn't have to do that. Right. He from day one, he always told me he wanted me to be better than him. You know, he wanted me, he wanted to show me, you know, the ins and outs, the things that he wished he knew. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Brad. So, yeah, we, as, as I got older, we got much closer. Um, Brad was the first person to take me to the club when I was like, <laughs> when I was like 16. And, uh, yeah, we, he took me to the club a couple of times. My mama found out. She cussed him out. But it was all love after that. Like, that's the kind of relationship that, that we had. Like, my mom cussed Brad out in front of my house one day, like, you got my son at the club. He still got stuff to lose, blah, blah, blah. But it was just the principle. Like, she wasn't really mad, but she had, she couldn't act like she was cool with it. Yeah. But, but, yeah, Brad was first person to take me to the club. Like, yeah, we did it all. That's incredible, man, to have someone like that that you've known from that age to continue to show you the way. You you make sure you get that back to somebody, bro, because that's, 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 that's important. That's how... We continue to grow our game. That's how we continue to to grow as as young men, most importantly. You know what I'm saying? As professionals. So you make sure you get that game to the next guy, because that's that's how this that's how this cycle go, man. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And and him him saying, like, I want you to be better than me. As good as Brad is, you're you're you are him at six ten, which which already kind of puts you in in a different like 
not 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 a different category because y'all both all stars, y'all both elite, like y'all both score with the best of them. But six, being six ten and being able to do that, that automatically just puts you in a different place because there's only KD um, at six ten who can do that. Maybe KD, and <laughs> and I I actually got I actually got and I had a, a great opportunity to see that this summer, and and what I told everybody. Um, and I'm, I'm jumping all over the place a little bit, but this just feels so natural. So we'll, we'll rewind a little bit. But what I told everybody was, on our team, K, it was KD team. Like, mm-hmm. USA team, it was KD team, as it should have been. He was, he was the one with the most experience in KD. But I, it felt like to me, and I, and I want to I hear your thoughts, it felt like to me you were being primed for it to be your team this next go-around. And maybe KD come back, maybe KD don't. But I felt like he was priming you like, hey, JT, go give me a bucket, man. Hey, it's your turn. Come on now, go get me some buckets. And hearing the conversation, but also seeing how everyone else on our team, when it wasn't KD, everybody was turning to you. And and you had games where you took over. So I, I like how how are you? Did you feel that? Are you seeing that? Is that the goal? Like, what is your goals uh, moving forward with USA? Yeah, uh, no, I think I think you spot on. I think that played a huge part in my decision. I think I, I remember you calling me in the summertime and like telling me like, bro. I remember I'll never forget you said, bro, forget all this stuff about rest. Like we can rest when we retire. And I, I don't like, I'm like, yeah, bro, I'm only 23, 24. Like, I got the rest of my life after basketball to rest and do whatever I want. And, like, this is, you know, nothing is promised. Like, this is a special opportunity. So after talking to you, and then the next thing was like, well, shit, K, K on the team. And I think for me, like, I remember being 15 years old and going to K camp in, in D.C. and, like, how excited I was to be there and fast forward, you know, playing against him in the playoffs last year. And then now being on the same team as him and like getting to see how somebody that like, I looked up to at one point, like how he go about his routine, how he worked, how he, you know, just think and see the game, you know, on a personal level, like we're going to be on the same team. That was for me, it was like, all right, yeah, I'm going. And I remember being being out there in Vegas and like, I remember the first day we scrimmaged and I remember we played the select team and they kicked our ass the first day. We was out of shape. <laughs> we, we was out of shape. We wasn't used to playing with each other, but I remember specifically coming down on the wing, somebody kicked me the ball and on the Celtics, I would have shot it. And it was like a halfway, like I could have shot it. And I just remember K was to the next, it was to the right of me and I passed it to him. And I remember he got mad at me. He was like, <laughs> he was like, yo, don't look for me. Like, he was like, be yourself. I need you to kill. And I was, I was like, damn. Like, that was the first time I was like, like, no, nah, like, he want me to hoop too. Mm-hmm. Like, don't look at it like, that's Katie. Like, no, nah, we're on the same team. Like, he need me to do me on this team. Absolutely. And no, nah, like, I mean, you, you, you right. Like, I, it's, it's, it definitely started to feel like that. Like, obviously we all knew it was his team, but just somebody like that in the middle of a game, you know, he come down the court, he telling me to post up to give me the ball to go score was like, all right. Like, yeah, I'm, 
I'm getting, I'm, 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 I'm working towards getting to that level. Like I'm earning the respect of, of somebody like that. And ultimately like that was obviously us winning it, but like that was one of my favorite parts of, you know, being on the team. Um, just kind of like that, that moment, if I, you know, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. And, and, and I, I actually remember the exact moment that you're talking about when he, when, when you swung the ball to him, you're like, hey man, Come on now. <laughs> I remember that exact moment, but I thought it was great because like I said, the reality is is like you, you should you you it's on you to carry USA for the at least the next two cycles. You know, like like that's your thing moving forward. And like I said, even if KD come back on the next cycle for Paris, that's almost him just like coming to pass the baton. Like, yeah, I still got it and I'm still cold and I love the hoop. Right. But like, I'm, I'm really coming to pass the baton. And so I think uh, like that should be your mindset. And, and what also should be your mindset is regardless of whatever happens this summer, I mean, or this season, this playoffs, you should be dedicated to having the absolute best summer of your life. And you already work, but it, but there's more to be done because your only goal next year, going into next year should be like, now I'm, I'm 100% gonna be the MVP of the NBA next year. You should be the MVP of the NBA next year with your skill level, with like, you've been doing this now. See, I. A lot of people don't don't realize how young you are. I didn't either until we got to the Olympics <laughs> and I'm just sitting there and we all kicking it. And then some of the questions you was asking, I'm like, man, like, oh, he a baby. But you, like, you've been doing it at this level since you came into the league your rookie year, which is now what, five years. And so mm-hmm. people tend to think like, oh no, like you just one of us. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, like, no, he just one of us. Because at the because of the level you've been doing it at. But the reality is, is you still can't place, replace that experience. You still can't replace those years of gain and wisdom. And so it was super refreshing to me when you start asking some of the questions you was asking. I'm like, oh shit, like this is fun for me. Like being able to share something. Like it's one thing to share game, get, get game to a young dude. Like that's all great. It's fun. I love to do it. It's a totally different thing to give some game to a star, like <laughs> to a young star. That's a totally different thing. And so for me, I'm like, oh man, like this is this is gonna be fun. Like I, I enjoy that. And so I think that should be your number one goal going into next year, bro. Like you should be thinking nothing else. No, I mean, you 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 definitely right. Uh and I think this is gonna be my first kind of full summer. Uh, since I've been in the league, um, I played on the FIBA team in 2019. I got injured. Um, 2020 come around and COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And that was the shortest offseason, you know, NBA history. And then last year, uh, you know, we was in training camp with USA while the season was still going on. So it was just, it's always been something. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm definitely, you know, after this season, you know, handle this season first. But um, this offseason coming up is something I'm, really, really looking forward to uh, because you're right. Like, and I think the Olympics had a lot to do with that. Um, you know, coming off the Olympics and winning a gold medal and being with you guys, like the best players in the world, 
like as competitive as the games were, but just going through practice, when we spilling the teams up, mm-hmm. scrimmaging each other five on five, like it's, it's nothing better than that in the summertime at that point. So just Absolutely. coming into the NBA, like I've been competing against and with the best players in the league all summer. And then carrying that into the, into the season is like, that. I, honestly, is the best way to prepare, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for a season. 100%. You know, what's crazy is one of, one of the main reasons I wanted to do Olympics last year was so I could stay in great shape, uh, leaving out of last season to come into this season. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, I'm like, yo, I want to get back to an all-star level. And I know mm-hmm. the key to me playing at an all-star level is simply being in shape. And so I'm like, the Olympics will help me roll right into September in shape and I can hit the ground running into the season. And so I definitely feel where you're coming from. And, and like, even for me going back to the select team days, when I played on the select team, like, mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, I got better this week. Like, I'm playing sure. against these guys, I got better. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I think that's a... I think that's a really big deal. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024. And we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother or, in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess the 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again, the First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about Indigenous women's disappearances, 
and the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear, and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And, and speaking of, of our USA team, you're now head coach, Ime um, Udoka, who... He was he was one of our one of our assistant coaches with the USA team. Got to spend a lot of time around him, see what type of dude he is, kind of see his culture style, and I thought it was great. And one one observation that I've had in watching your game is is um in y'all play, but in your game, and I feel like you've taken the next step in that. It's like it's less side step three. You know what I'm saying? It's less like you're a tough shot taker and a tough shot maker. You know, but I think. I think there's a time and a place to take tough shots. Like there's a time when you got to take tough shots. And then there's a time when you're that good that you go get the shot that you want. You know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and I feel like you're, you've, you're finding that balance. And I was wondering, like, if, is, is that something that, that Ime and A-Miles, I know you, you, you talk a lot to A-Miles as somebody who helped me a lot over the last couple of years just understanding the game. Uh, what what impact has those guys had in coming in on on your game individually? Yeah, I think I think it's a combination of a couple of things. Obviously, uh, you know the new staff, um, and you know he may being a new coach, uh, and just like a different sort of philosophy, right? You know, people always ask me, you know, what's the difference between Brad and Emay? I mean, they just different people, like. They both great basketball minds, but you know they just kind of approach things differently, and that doesn't make one better than the other. But you know I appreciate them both. I had Brad my first four years, and you know I'm thankful for him a lot. And now you know being with Ime, um, and also I think I'm just I'm still, I'm still young, but I'm getting older at the same time. So game the game is mm-hmm. slowing down, and I'm learning to like read the game a lot differently than I did two years ago. Right, it's slowing down for me. Um, knowing when to like, you know, exert more energy and when to save energy and things like that thing. I just didn't think about, you know, my second and third or even my fourth year. Right. Uh, so I think having a new staff sometimes is just having a, a, a new voice can, can be helpful. Um, but you know, I've, I've loved having email. Um, obviously we started off, uh, it was Rocky, you know, up and down. Um, and I, I mean, I think that's just part of it. Obviously, with expectations, people just want you to adjust like that. And the reality is, this is, you know, it, things take time, right? Um, but you know, one thing I've appreciated is that he's he's definitely coached me, um, you know, coached me hard and held me accountable and and held everyone accountable. Um, and I think that's something that we, that we definitely needed. Um, and we got like an open open door policy. Everybody can voice their opinion. Um, you know, regardless, you know, top man or the 15th man, you come in and work every day, you got something to say, you can say it. And I think that's definitely made us better, um, you know, these last two and a half months. No, that's incredible. I mean, to see where y'all team has gone from, even like when we played y'all in, uh, in Boston, I think it was in December. And then when we just played y'all a week, or, a week and a half ago, totally different team. And I think it all starts on the defensive end, which, like you know, you know when you when when a coach is good, when the coach you can judge a coach off how their team defense. Like mm-hmm. if, if a team can't defend, 
look no further than the coaching staff. Like, <laughs> like coaches teach defense, and mm-hmm. and it's a sign of accountability, and all it, it just everything that it's about. It's a sign of your team's toughness, to your mental focus. Like, that's a coach's thing, and, and I think where y'all defense is, and, and but but more importantly, not even so much of how good it's been. But the philosophy of it, like, that took some figuring out. Like, to figure out, we're going to start Rob and Al next to each other. This is how we're going to guard. We're going to switch one through five or switch one through four. Y'all switching one through five most of the time. Um, And then we're forcing everything to Rob at the rim. And, -hmm. like, guys are overextending. Guys are pressing up and literally forcing you right into him. And he cleaning up all mistakes at the rim. Like, to get to that philosophy, it takes some some twisting and turning. Like y'all switch lineups a couple times. Like, you know, it, it takes some stuff to get there. And I and I think that's a like I said, I think that's a big coaching thing and a move that they made that has changed y'all season. No, you you absolutely right, and it it did. Like we was not we wasn't used to that at first. Like you know, I'll be the first one to say I was a little hesitant because. I had only known one way for four years and uh, I would, you know, not my, not last year, but my first three years, you know, I, we was always a top five defense. Uh, we wasn't this good, but I just was so accustomed to doing things a certain way. And I think uh, part of growing is being open to change. And that's something that I, I've definitely learned this season. Uh, and, you know, it, it was not perfect at first, but I think once we really bought in and once we got healthy and, um, obviously it's been working. And I think a part of it is like, it, it definitely is coaching. But I think, you know, when you look at the teams that got the best defenses, like they got guys on their team that like they give, we customer. Absolutely. Like, like guys that like give a fuck on defense. Mm-hmm. And like, now you know, and like the teams that got the best defense, like that's something that we, you know, hold everybody accountable from the, the first man to the last man. It was like, all right, we might not be like the best offensive team, but like we're gonna hang our hat on this defensive end and everybody gotta pull their weight. And cause if Al and year 15 is gonna be switching on the guards and, and pressuring and things like that, then there's no excuse for you know somebody in their second or third year. And you know, that's something that we just relate to everybody. No, it's it's incredible. And I think uh including me, I think when when y'all brought Al back, everybody's like, what the hell? Like, like. What? Like that, it made no sense. And and then until you realize like JT still super young, JB still super young, Marcus Smart, he got a little little more experience, but he's still young. Rob's still young. And and when you put it in those terms, especially for me who's now in year 10, and understand like Smart right now is in a position I was in a, like a couple years ago where we sucked, but he's kind of right in that space of like not quite like vet vet, but almost there, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so bringing Al back, I now when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, it makes total sense because y'all needed that vet to look to, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and so I I see that now, but and then also the effect that he's he and things that he teach Robert Williams as well. And, and so I think that's huge. But in speaking of Robert Williams, um, 
having an incredible year, having a, a, a defensive player of the year uh, caliber type of season. Um, no one talks about his offense. He is one of the best passing big men in the league right now. And Hands now, down. I take that with a grain of salt because Jokic passed better than all the point guards, so we're not putting <laughs> nobody in Joker category. He's a little different than everybody. But sure. So we're going to just count Joker as a point guard. We're not talking about Joker. But just like big men, big men who are like legit big men don't have the ball all the time. Robert Williams is one of the best passing big men that I've seen, and no one talks about it. And I think I think that's a huge loss for y'all. Um, what what like what can y'all do to fill that role? Because there's not one guy that can do what he do to bring to that team. Man, man, listen. First of all, Phil, terrible for Rob. Just seeing him the first day he came in and how hard he's worked and the strides that he's made to be where he's at. And it's like, he's just barely like scratching the surface of like where he can get to. Like, this is like his first full year, like playing, starting, like being a, a, a core part of our team and, and seeing where it's taking us. So I, I, I feel terrible for him because I just know that his confidence was at an all time high. He was like really feeling good about himself. And I mean, guys like him is not, like you said, it's not many guys like him that, Pass as well as he do, uh, uh, extreme lob threat on offense. Oh my god! Don't need don't like he don't need the ball and you know the best defender on our team. So like you don't you can't replace a guy like that when you know when he go down with an injury. Um, but I think you know it's it's cliche to sound. It's just like next man up mentality. We gotta figure it out. It's five games left. We're going into the playoffs. You know. Uh, you know, speedy recovery for him, you know, and I told him, take his time. Don't, you know, when you feel a hundred percent, you know, then come back. But, um, you know, we just got to try to hold it down in, in, until he does. Cause we ain't, you know, it's not, we don't have a guy on our team. Like, so everybody else just got to do more and step up. But, uh, you know, he was having an unbelievable season. Absolutely. I mean, speaking of him as a live threat, so check this out. When we, play, <laughs> when we played y'all in Boston, we played y'all in Boston. We going through shoot around. I had been watching a couple of y'all games before, and I see this dude catch some crazy-ass lobs. Speaking of which, this is the Draymond Green show, bro. You say whatever the hell you want to say on here. That's how we rock <laughs> We always roll. So, but I see this dude oh, catching boy. these crazy-ass lobs. I'm like, yo, this is wild. So I'm, I'm like, rewinding back through it, like, trying to figure out, like, where, did, where was the coverage messed up at? And for, for those that don't understand, if, if Robert Williams is in a drop, uh, or I mean, if a big is in a drop on a pick and roll and Robert Williams is rolling, that big is taught. So the big, when I say a drop, that means he's, his guy is setting the screen and he's a little beneath him so the guard can't turn the corner. That's a drop. And most bigs, five men play in a drop on, 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 in the pick and roll. And you're taught as the big man to never let the roller, which would be Robert Williams, get behind you. Once you let the roller get behind you, you're dead. Sober with. So I, so we're in shoot around early uh, before the game earlier that day. It was an eight o'clock game in Boston, so we had a shoot around. And I stopped the walkthrough, and I'm like, "Fellas, listen, y'all have to understand. If you are even with Robert Williams, he's going <laughs> to dunk on you. He will catch the lob on your head." I just watched him catch three of them on AD in one game. 
If you're even with, and that's AD, if you're even, even with him, he's going to catch it on your head. So you got to stay below him. And I'm like animated. I'm telling them and everybody like, all right, got it. And I get in the pick and roll and I'm dropped. And I thought I was beneath him. Mm -hmm. And he still caught the lob on my head. And I'm like, to have that threat where you literally just put it up anywhere and he go get it. Throw it. People don't understand, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. To me, having a live threat, Robert Williams, JaVel McGee, for what they do for DeAndre Aiden is a good one as well. Mm-hmm. What they do for your for your floor spacing is equal to what a shooter does for your floor space because you can't lead a body. What are your thoughts on it? You, get to, you, you had the opportunity to play, like, play with someone like that on the daily. I've had that before in the past. What are your thoughts on having that live threat in the dunker? Because I think it's just as important as having a shooter that spaced the floor. It, just, it makes the, your offense so much more dynamic, right? You got somebody like me coming off the pick and roll Nobody ever is going under, right? Yeah. I, I wish I, 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 I wouldn't mind it, <laughs> but they're not going under. So you got to chase me over the top because if you go under, I'm stopping behind. I'm shooting a three. So mm-hmm. if you got somebody chasing me over the top, and like you said, most traditional bigs are in drop. You know, a lot more recently they corralling or up the touch. So I got to get it out of my hands. But you got somebody chasing me over the top. So now I got the defender in jail. He behind me. So now you got to make a decision. And, you know, somebody as athletic as Rob, even when I get in trouble and I don't got nobody, you just throw it in the area. So now <laughs> okay. you you wondering if you, you, you want to try to stop me from scoring or you, won't, you don't want to give Because most bigs don't want to give up the lob. They hate going in the film and giving up a lob. No big wants they man to score. That is, uh, that is a fact, and we all know it. Absolutely. So it just, like you said, just like having a shoot, it just makes it so much more dynamic, especially as athletic as a Rob or like a JaVale McGee, somebody that long. Uh, uh, you just throw it up and they go get it. Absolutely, man. I think I think it's incredible. I, I wish him a speedy recovery as well. So I, I, you know, I have an appreciation for the growth of y'all as a team. And, you know, we've been dealing with a lot of injuries. You hate to see teams lose anything because of injury. So definitely 100%. wish him a speedy recovery. But And, and still speaking of y'all team uh, for years, there's been this whole notion of you and Jalen Brown can't play together. Again, y'all are so young in y'all career. The fact that people want to write it off already is kind of tough, but in the same token, um, it is it, in the same token, it's also respect to y'all and what y'all have done. Because, like I said, since y'all came into it, y'all been doing it at this level. And so mm-hmm. for, for everybody in their mind, it's been more than four years. You know, because <laughs> your rookie year, y'all went to the Eastern Conference Finals. You dunk on yep. LeBron James. You know, like, like <laughs> they, this is your rookie year. So for everybody, they've now been seeing it for so long. In their mind, it's like, that can't work. They need to move on. The reality is it hasn't had any time, any time to manifest itself into what it could possibly be. I am, I am extremely happy to see it 
working because I have a, a huge amount of respect for Jalen Brown, the player he is. I mean, the way he handle and shoot the ball now, like, he work on his game. Like, th- mm-hmm. there's no other way to slice it. That, he, that guy, who he was five years ago at Cal, he, that guy work on his game. Like, there's no other way to slice it. So I'm happy to see it working. But what, what was the key for you and, and, and him blocking out all the noise and, and understanding that ultimately, bro, we got each other and people are going to talk and they're saying this. But at such a young age, y'all having to go through that and work y'all way through that. What was the key for y'all to stick together and say, like, no, nah, we're going to figure it out together? Yeah, I think it, it, it's a lot to digest there. I think uh, so. My first year was his second year. JB went, JB been in the conference finals three times. He went the year before when I got there and then the bubble year. And I've been twice. Um, so we've had way more success than we haven't. You know, last year, you know, was the weirdest season in NBA history with COVID <laughs> protocols, no fans, guys dealing with COVID, no vaccine. Like it was the weirdest season. He get hurt. We was a seven seed. We made the playoffs, you know, wasn't great. Started off rocky this year. So it was like a, it was like a rough year and a half. And, you know, we didn't play great that time, but it is what it is. But we've had way more success together than we haven't. We've, you know, we've made the playoffs every year. And I think in this league, what I've realized is everybody, you can't, everybody will say you can't win until you do. Nobody can win a championship. Nobody can be the best player on the championship team until they do it. Until you do it. Until you do it. Facts. Like, and and the narrative is just like, that's just what it is. Like, Book, like, he wasn't a winner until his, you know, he had some pieces around him and he he went to the championship. Now he is. Like, no, we all know, like, how good he was and what he could do. He just, you know, no knock to the guys on his team. They just weren't that good. So, like, I think, we can't figure it out until we win a championship. And then it's like, all right, they can win. And I think that's just like the world that we live in. And once you understand, like, that's just the business of what we do. And, you know, yeah, it it seems like we've been together forever. It's been five years, but I just turned 24 and and, and JB's only 25. Like Mm -hmm. what they say, you don't reach your prime till 28, 27, 28, 29. So like now it's like 31, 32. Yeah, 30. So we can just say 30. So if you look at that point, like, damn, we still like not as good as we gonna be. And for us, we are two of like the most competitive guys. I think the best one of the best things for my career and his is that we've been on the same team and that we worked with each other, worked out, played one-on-one a million times. Like I push him and he he pushes me. And it's been and it's a healthy competitiveness and environment um, between us. And like you said, the, the strides that he's made from his first year and, and to who he is now, he's, he made the all-star game last year. I was extremely happy for him just knowing how far he's come and like who the player he is now. Like, like you said, seeing what he does now, that only means that he worked on his game. Absolutely. Like that's all that that means. So, and I know that about him and I know like how bad JB wants to win aside from everything else. And, like, we trust each other enough. And, like, I've been in enough close games. I've been in enough playoff series 
where I know, like, if I, if I got number seven on my team, I know, I like, I believe he's going to do whatever it takes for us to help to win this game. Like, we didn't mm-hmm. want enough close games together, enough playoff series where, like, I know push come to shove, he got my back and I got his. And that's fine if the whole world doesn't see that or know that or, like, we not posting on Instagram with each other, hanging out every day or, or this and that. And, like, that's fine. But we, like, as long as we know and the people in that locker room know that, like, you know, we in this together, then I think it just make for, it's going to make for a better story, you know. Whenever we do hang that banner, it's like, no, we can't, you know, we can't do this together. Absolutely. I think for a while, I, I always hoped that y'all can figure out who's the one and who's the two. And in my mind, no disrespect to JB, he's an incredible talent, a great player. I think you're, you are a generational talent. And so when you have a generational talent, that automatically makes you the number one. Dwayne Wade was a number two in Miami when LeBron went there and told LeBron, I'm going to be number two. You go be number one. Probably one of the greatest twos. Kobe was a number two with Shaq. Like, being the number two is not a bad thing. You know, we, we live in this world that try to make it like this is a bad thing. Being number two is not a bad thing. And one thing you should understand as a number one don't take your number two for granted because there's not no there's not many twos that can go for 40 and just go get you 40 in the night. Like there ain't many twos that do that. Only the great teams got that. And so you, I think it's very important for you to understand, show him his love, give him his flowers, give that appreciation so he know he got that from you. Because when you feel that, motherfuckers will go to war for you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's ultimately, when he know you'll go to war for him, he'll go to war for you. And that's ultimately how you win championships. Like, you know Marcus Smart will go to war for you. That's how for you sure. win championships. And I think it's very important for you as the number one to, to get them guys love and support. Even though they're older than you and you're younger, you just get you just kind of get thrusted into that. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's important for you to fill out as your climb. I think I'm I'm probably more excited about your climb to this MVP <laughs> than you are. But that shit, it, it gives me chills, man. I get excited about it just to see young guys doing well, man. And especially, like I said, young guys that I have a relationship with. Man, I don't want to hold you too long, but I got a couple more questions. And as you know, I can sit here and talk to you all day. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've been speaking about your career and I'd be remiss. Uh, also, a guy who I had the opportunity to play with as well, won a gold medal with, legendary Coach K, who you had the opportunity to play with for at Duke. Obviously, we know his, this is his last year. Um, what what was it that Coach K gave you? I think I saw something where he called you a punk ass St. Louis kid or something like that. Like, uh. what what was it that Coach K gave to you in your year there? And beyond, because I, I know the relationship don't just stop once you leave that campus. Man, that's, that is my guy. Um, and like you said, I still talk to Coach at least once, if not twice a month, ever since I left school. Um, so that's something I really, you know, I'm proud about my decision of going to Duke. That, like, that's something that I, I cherish, his relationship. And that, like, that it didn't just stop once I walked out that door and left, um, you know. Durham 
But man, no, he was coach was that was he was great for me because I think uh, initially when I first got to Duke, you know, I knew I was only going for one year, right? But we had we had like a mix of like it was six incoming freshmen. We had some older guys on our team, and part of me was like people people tell me all the time they be like I don't know if you know how good you are like mm-hmm. people tell me that all the time so my mentality walking in was like man I'm happy to be here like I'm from St. Louis <laughs> I never I never thought I would go to Duke University like that it never crossed my mind like that coach K was gonna come to St. Louis and sit in my living room and like we want you to come so I was I was so happy to be there and initially like there were times where I was just trying to like I was just trying to be a part of the team I was just trying to fit in and there were a handful of times and that was the last time um we was playing at Virginia and uh ACC game you know Virginia's always probably one of the better defensive teams in the country absolutely but I'm I think I think I'm making the right play like I'm catching it I'm making the extra pass I'm not really being aggressive I've made it had like four points but I was like two for three. I wasn't really shooting. I think we might have been up to where it's tied at halftime. I come in and I'm like, I'm feeling good about it. And I remember Coach K came in. He took, I done told this story many times. He took his jacket off and he threw that, he threw it right at me. Like it hit, like hit my leg and my feet. And he was like, he just started snapping. He like, you soft ass St. Louis kid. I should have left you where I found you. He said, I didn't, he, he used to tell me all the time, I didn't bring you here to be good. He said, I need you to be special. And like anytime in the game, like the next day in film, if there was a shot where I, I could have shot it, he would always pause it in film. You being soft. Wow. You being soft. We don't need you to be soft. We need you to be you. And Somebody that I respected so much and that had accomplished so much thought this highly of me and like never gave me the day off, never like let like took it easy on me. Every single moment where I wasn't being aggressive, where I wasn't doing what was best for the team, it would let me know. And I really like I really appreciated that. And I carried that with me, um, you know, coming into the league. That's incredible. Did you did you have the opportunity to make it back uh, for that last game? No, I did not. I did not. I wish I did, but I remember. I remember watching it. I watched it at the house, and part of me felt like, I, like I seen every like you know, Grant Hill and Christian Leitner, JJ Reddick, Jay Williams, uh, you know, all these guys that like went there for four or five years. Carlos Boozer, and I'm watching, and I'm like. All right, like I went to Duke, but they like really, they like really went to Duke. <laughs> like they, they spent four or five years there. I spent one. So like, I don't like that. That might have been more for them. Like I might have felt a little uh, bit out of place. True. I like, and I'm thinking that like I might have felt a little out of place. Like, damn, like they really like they had four or five years and I only had one. But I and I, it, was, it was special seeing you know, all those guys come for his last game. Um, obviously, you know, we lost, but uh, we're going to redeem ourselves, you know, this Saturday, Final Four. If you ain't, you you got time, you should watch it. Uh, you know, we're going to be on TV. 
Yeah, I'm gonna watch it, man. Send me your cash out too, man. I owe you some money for, <laughs> for, for them terrible, that terrible guys beating my Spartans, man. But uh, <laughs> I'm still pissed about that because we should have won that game. Still pissed about that. But uh, <clears throat> number one, as a four year guy, me being there four years and Miles being there too, or Gary Harris being there too, that don't make me more of a Spartan than them. Like. I'm a Spartan, they're a Spartan. We all went through the grind. At the end of the day, you stepped in. You had to go through there to get to where you was going. Whether it took you one year or whether it took you four, it don't matter. That's a part of your grind. That's a part of your journey. You are just as entitled to that as them. Now, what I will tell you is, for me personally, guys that won a national championship, even if it's not Mateen Cleaves, you know what I'm saying? if it's not Magic Johnson, guys who mm-hmm. won a national championship, like, regardless, my jersey retired, regardless of any of that, you won a national championship, I didn't. You're ahead of me, bro. Like, that's just what it is. For sure. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And so I can't understand, like, the guys that won a national championship. But that don't just mean because they were there for four years. No, that's bullshit. You, you <laughs> earned your keep just like they earned their keep. So understand that, man. Hey, but before we get out of here, man, and, and wrapping up, like what's what what what's what's next? What what's it for the Celtics? Where you see y'all going this year? What's like what is the success this year for the Boston Celtics? Oh man. I think I I seen it on Twitter yesterday. We we both lost last night, right? And I think yep. I remember they may have asked some of the similar questions, but I remember it, you know, they saying like, what can you take? Uh, like, how do you feel? What can you gain from this loss? And I remember I said, I was like, ain't no moral victories. Like you either win or you lose. And I seen some, you said like the same thing last night. Mm-hmm. So obviously you've been to the mountaintop a couple of times. Like you, like, you know what it takes to get there. And me playing for the Celtics, like ain't, if you, you win a championship or you don't. Absolutely. So that's like, that, that, that's it. That's, that's it. that's it for us, you know. Hopefully, uh, you know, we get Rob back, you know, when we can and, and stay healthy. Uh, you know, I'm excited, man. It is, it's, it's, it's that time of the year. Uh, the playoffs is like, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing like the playoffs. And now it's, it's it, you know, everything back normal again. Um, you know, so I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, these last, this last week and a half, these next, you know, five games, just trying to figure out you know, who we going to play. Uh, but yeah, you know, we've been playing as well as anybody. And, you know, um, you know, we love our chances and as, as well as, you know, everybody probably in the playoffs. So, you know, our goal is just the same as y'all go. I don't think everybody but, in the playoffs love their chances, champ. <laughs> most people. I say most people. Somebody, some of these dudes just happy to get to the playoffs. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I'm so happy not to be in that the, the the playing game. That's what I'm I'm grateful for. Hey, uh, it's been two years since I played in the playoffs, man. We played in the playing game last year. It was fun. It was cool, but I need like that's when I played my best basketball. So I need that, bro. I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been an honor and a pleasure just coming on and sharing your journey. I I enjoy these conversations and just listening and getting to, you know, hear others' journeys and, you know, how it may be similar to mine, how it may be different. 
you know, and everybody's journey. Everybody got their own story, you know. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing sharing yours with us. Year five, already on your way to a Hall of Fame career. Now, I remember I said that to you this summer when we were talking about USA. Like, bro, this is all about trying to build Hall of Fame resumes, bro. Mm-hmm. And you doing that, man. Stay locked in, bro. You should. If you don't get MVP next year, you're weak as fuck. I appreciate you coming on the Draymond Green <laughs> Show, my dog. <laughs> uh, my man, appreciate you. Yes, sir. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.